your life has been your training for contentment. Your life has been your preparation so far. And if there's one thing I'd love for you to take from our time today is that you leave here no longer postponing your contentment unnecessarily. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox podcast. Here, we're going to discover new ways to think, feel and heal while exploring our spiritual side. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging, also known as the Mind Detox Monk, because well, I'm a monk and meditation teacher, and for over 15 years, I've also been working with people from around the world using a method that I accidentally created called Mind Detox. This podcast includes highlights from my online club and academy meetings, expert interviews, guided meditations, and more. All so that you can cure the cause and master peace. For today's episode, I share a highlight from one of my online club meetings, which you can join at minddetox.club. I talk about contentment, which I believe is a master skill. Contentment can be so challenging because we've been conditioned to experience the exact opposite. So during this episode, I share why we can find contentment so hard at times and reveal some simple strategies for discovering that enough really is enough. Well, hello and welcome to this uh, Clubcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sandy, and we are going to be focusing uh, on contentment. Contentment. Now, I love contentment, and I think it's uh, one of the most undervalued uh, things that people tend to often ignore or miss out on, uh, really working towards when they're on any uh, spiritual uh, path. I, I find that kind of fascinating. They're often all about the peace and stuff, but this contentment thing. Um, didn't really come into my awareness until I actually took some uh, took my vows to become a monk. And one of the the uh, vows, Santosha or Santosha, uh, was for contentment, mastering contentment. And I thought, wow, that's really fascinating that it's so important in this tradition that I that you know I was engaging with that it would actually be one of the vows that I was actually going to have to like, aim to you know master. And and it was often referred to as this master skill. I was like, I'd never thought about that, that, you know, this thing called contentment um, could be a, a, even a skill, let alone a master skill. I thought it was just something that you would get if you're lucky one day once you've retired and you've accumulated everything you want to accumulate and do everything you want to do. And you can finally sit down and be content with the fruits of, of your time, effort and labor. But it turns out contentment is something that if you are uh, on a personal spiritual journey or just alive, you might want to be uh, exploring. So I remember years ago, like when I very, very first started, I started doing um, little uh, evening classes in a very small spiritual center in Edinburgh. It was called the Salisbury Center. And uh, I was really excited to get in this little brochure that they send out because they didn't have websites and stuff really. And so we got in this brochure, they'd send it out by the mail and people would sign up for this, uh, these evening classes. And I think Two people showed up from my first uh, evening class, six-week evening class, and it was called Enjoy the Journey. And I remember 
for that course, you know, researching uh, the word enjoy. And the definition for the word enjoy was to be living in a deep state of joy or contentment. I thought that's really interesting, to be living in it, to enjoy is to be living in a deep state of joy and contentment. And then when you look into the definition of contentment, it says it's a state of happiness and satisfaction. Now, you know, there's many ways they come to find definitions in the dictionary. It's usually the context in which words are used, and they kind of formulate these definitions based on the context and, and the use that they've been used in, in the world. And um, I personally don't actually like that definition <laughs> that's found in the dictionary. It's similar to the one when you sometimes look up compassion. It's got all about empathy and sympathy, and it can be very confusing when you're trying to explore compassion in a spiritual path because it sounds like you've got to suffer uh, with people or whatever in order to be compassionate. But I digress. The contentment, talking about happiness and satisfaction, the thing I don't like about the classical definition of contentment is it sounds a bit like the the happiness and the, the satisfaction it sounds a bit to me like they are they are caused they're caused by something and and the result of doing you know most people are happy because of something and that's why i tend to not uh, strive for happiness believe it or not i tend because it's usually like you know, when it comes to like energies that we can experience, like, you know, I'm happy, but there's such a huge realm of energies and emotions that we can experience. If we become too attached to happiness, that can be a, a, a trap in and of itself because we're always trying to be this thing uh, called happy. But usually happiness is like, I'm happy because I got my job promotion. I'm happy because it's a sunny day. I'm happy because... Um, whatever right it's usually there's a, a because in there but also satisfaction i'm satisfied because i did something uh, i achieved something i you know i've accumulated something and i just want to set the scene right from the get-go that contentment is actually uncaused okay when we're exploring the cultivation of contentment there's not necessarily anything you have to do necessarily to become more contented. It's more of a removal and a letting go of what is standing between you and contentment, as opposed to having to do anything to sustain a state of contentment, okay? Your natural state is to be contented. And what can really happen is we can end up talking ourselves out of contentment, convincing ourselves that I'm not allowed to be contented quite yet, because something, which often I can't even put my finger on, has to be fixed, changed, and improved first. Okay? So, contentment is beyond cause. <clears throat> Therefore, there isn't a because in contentment. If at any point you're finding yourself saying, I'm content because, be careful with that because the because can make it a temporary experience. Whereas the reality of contentment, those that are awakened into the state of contentment, we can discover that contentment is actually an ongoing uh, state. 
an ongoing presence, an ongoing way of being that we already are, believe it or not, even if we aren't feeling it yet. It's an ongoing thing. It can be an on, you can be living with an ongoing state of contentment. You can, like the definition I shared earlier, you can be living in a deep state of contentment. Now, to be able to do that, we have to remove the reasons. We have to remove the becauses and the justifications. And the things that we have been become conditioned to believe we need to uh, fix, change, or improve in order to prove our readiness for contentment. Your life has been your training for contentment. Your life has been your preparation so far. And if there's one thing I'd love for you to take from our time today is that you leave here no longer postponing your contentment unnecessarily, okay? This is really more about undoing the conditioning that's causing us to unnecessarily postpone our contentment, okay? So, how did we get here? Well, if it's okay with you, I'd like to read a page or so from my body cam book, if that's okay, uh, because when I was uh, preparing for our time together today, um, I'll be reading from page 134, if uh, anyone's wanting to read along with their own book. Um, when I was preparing for today, I read that and I thought, you know what? I, I couldn't say even any better. <laughs> I couldn't say any better than how I wrote it in 2015. So um, clearly there must be some truth in there because it hasn't changed much since, uh, since then. And truth doesn't change. So um, anyway, are you happy for me to uh, read a little bit from, from the book? Because I just want to set the scene as to how we, we got here and why uh, I deem contentment as a master skill uh, these days. And not only that, but living in a deep state of contentment is a, a courageous act. Because quite frankly, very few people are willing or able to do it. And why is that the case? Well, I believe we've been, we've, we've been conditioned to be discontented. And uh, because let's face it, contentment, you know, before I even dive into the book, contentment has a very simple strategy. <laughs> Let this moment be enough. <laughs> I could have come on here and in under 10 words say, guys, you want to be contented? Let this moment be enough exactly as it is. Let it be enough. That, that's when it's enough. Enough's enough, and, and we can find ourselves experiencing contentment. But the, here's the thing. Although it's our most natural state, although it's uncaused, there's reasons why we're, we can find ourselves discontented. And, um, and there's a bit of the, the book on page 134 uh, where there's a title that says, Why Life Stops Being Good Enough. So I'd love to read this little bit to you. Is that okay? Can I have a little nod from the people on the screen? Okay, great. <clears throat> Sit back, relax, and enjoy the story time on this uh, Sunday evening. Growing up, you were taught what a good life looks like. The kind of house you should live in, the make a car you should drive, the holiday you should take, and so on. With the best of intentions, the people you were around the most during your younger years did their best to pass on the requirements for a happy and successful life. As the years rolled on, the advertising agencies and the media organizations then jumped on the bandwagon to continue the conditioning. With the remit of convincing you that you didn't just want, but needed 
their products or services, vast amounts of money has been invested in your materialistic indoctrination. As a kid that failed English that's got dyslexia, I was very proud of that final sentence. So thank you very much for taking it. And I thought people like that. The materialistic indoctrination. I was very proud when these came to my fingers. And there's a little title that says The American Dream. I'm writing this book while in Australia. Sorry, not. That's not true. I don't know why I said Australia. I don't know, maybe watched the news about it earlier or something. Because I was actually reading this book while in the USA. Okay, I was reading this book in the USA, which is known for the American dream in which anyone who works hard can be successful, have a bulging bank account, drive a gas-guzzling car or two, and live in a huge house surrounded by the proverbial white picket fence. Don't get me wrong, I love the USA and the positive reinforcement that anyone can create the life of their dreams. However, for millions of people worldwide, the dream falls short, often ending up more of a nightmare because it perpetuates a massive amount of pressure to live up to superficial societal standards that can take an enormous amount of time, effort, and luck to achieve. Believing you need your life to be filled with certain stuff before you can love it inevitably leads to the unnecessary postponement of contentment. It puts your perfect life at the end of the metaphorical rainbow. You never quite arrive at your idea of ideal because the goalposts keep moving with the advent of the next new and improved thing that you must have for getting there. The downfall of the American dream is due to the fact that you don't need any external possession or prestige to be happy or to love your life. What you really want is inside you and can be found in this moment by being your real self. So I go on and on and on, but I really want to share that with you because it's not your fault. It's not your fault if you do experience this contentment because there has been a huge uh, program system uh, of indoctrination, conditioning, a lot of time, effort, and very clever psychology invested in your discontentment, your dissatisfaction, and your need uh, for always more. Okay, but what we're going to do today is I'm going to share with you some keys to contentment that can really help that you can help that can really help you to unravel the common cause of discontentment and experience uh, more contentment in your life. Does that sound like a nice way to spend the next little while together to explore the keys of contentment? Yes. Cool. Before I do though, I just wanted to like set the scene with some quotes that I came by on contentment. Would you like that? Um, I, like it. I love a good quote, you know. Uh, I used to have a, a positive pot. You ever have them? Like they fill with quotes and you pick out a bit of paper every day. And that was when we used to use paper and pottery, but now it's just like an automatically generated thing on a app or something. But uh, I love these, con con these contentment quotes and they, they, they set the scene for what we're going to be covering together uh, for the rest of our time together. Mahatma Gandhi, let's start with uh, that old chestnut. Um, he said, man's happiness really, really lies in contentment. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about. Crystal Payne said, contentment is a state of the heart, unaffected by outward circumstance. We'll get into that one a bit later. Dennis Wheatley said, contentment cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, or won. It is a spiritual experience of living every moment 
with love, grace, and gratitude. That's a nice one, isn't it? It can't be traveled to, owned, earned, or won. Don't know who wrote the next one. I forgot to type it in. Uh, but contentment will never come to those who fail to appreciate what they already have. I think that's like the classic one you see when it pop, when you pop into contentment into uh, any search engine or whatever. I think it's almost a non at this point. At this point, Benjamin Franklin said, "Contentment makes poor men rich. Discontentment makes rich men poor." <laughs> I like that one. Lao Tzu. I've always loved this one. This was on my wall uh, for a while. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. <laughs> Lao Tzu. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there's nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Lao Tzu. And uh, Epictetus, a uh, Greek philosopher, has, was known to have said, demand not that things happen as you wish, but wish them to happen as they do, and you will go on well. There's a, there's, that, that's a big one, guys. Demand not that things happen as you wish, but wish them to happen as they do. So we're talking about having an inner yes, an inner willingness to experience whatever is being presented uh, right now. And finally, John Scott said, simplicity is the first cousin of contentment. Simplicity is the first cousin of contentment. I love all these quotes. They all have, we could honestly spend probably an hour on each of them, but dissect them and exploring them further. But uh, I just wanted to plant the seeds and um, I hope that one of them will jump out at you and resonate and you might even write it down and keep it nearby as a reminder. They all have something things in common, these quotes. And <clears throat> what I see in these quotes is that none of them are talking about getting more or getting somewhere. Or achieving more or fixing everything so that you can finally be contented nothing none of them are about trying to uh, pursue perfection um, none of them they are they're all uh, directed back to one place ultimately which you'll never guess when that place is now so what I want to do now is cover the keys to contentment, okay? We've got about five of them, and uh, they can really help you to, like I say, enhance, enhance uh, a more ongoing state of contentment in daily life, all right? The first one is mind the gap between our grace-filled present life and goals-based perfect life, okay? You want to mind the gap. Mind the gap between our grace-filled present life and our goals-based perfect life, our idea of perfect life. Now, let me just share, I've said this before, but goals are great. They're very, they're, they're wonderful. They give us purpose. They, they help us to evolve and grow. They can challenge us. And we, we are free to 
want different things and to go, you know, ch change certain things or whatever. But what what can happen with goals if we're not careful is that they clearly create a gap between where we are now and where we want to be or where we think we want to be. And often these, these goals are really based on just conditioning as to what we've been conditioned and told would make us happy and contented. Um, we think, you know, we, we think we know what will make us happy. And so we, we believe I can't be happy until I've improved, you know, found this relationship or left this relationship or uh, got this job or got more money or changed the house or whatever it might be. Having goals is very uh, helpful for our health or longevity. They found that, you know, people that have purpose tend to prosper and uh, live longer, believe it or not, compared to people that have, have, have no goals, no reason uh, to keep uh, going. So they're very good for us. But what they can do is can create a, a, a massive focus on uh, the future. And it, we need to mind that gap, be super aware that anytime I have a goal, I'm going to create a gap between where I'm now and where I think I should be. And so we've got to be super careful not to buy into and fall into that gap that, that can create this sense of a discontentment. All right. So be mindful of the difference between your grace-filled present life, because life is creation is creating and grace is providing all the time, believe it or not. But if we're not careful and we get too focused on, on, on the future, then we can miss all that is already uh, being provided. The next key, which probably unsurprising to you that follow me for a while, because you know how passionate I am about the present moment, but we have to make being here more important than getting there. We need to make being here more important than getting there. The nature of the mind, if we're caught up in our mind, if we're fully identified in our mind, if we're spending our day uh, overthinking, and through this club, you're learning that you don't actually have to think as much as you thought you did. And actually, I can live most of my day without thinking in a, in a state of stillness and peace and contentment and pick up the mind and use it as a tool. But the minute we are fully identified in the mind, because the mind is not present, the mind exists within time, whether that's past or future, the mind will always throw our happiness, our contentment, to some moment later <laughs> and it will convince us that I have to get there. But what if there is here? What if the ultimate there to arrive to is here? Because perhaps ironically, the ultimate cause of discontentment and not wanting your present moment is you not being present. <laughs> it's like the, it's, it's incredible. It's so simple. But when we fill our attention up with now, so much so there's no room for lack. We're so filled up with now. Contentment is a natural uh, byproduct. So the aim is conscious awareness of the present moment without judgment. Conscious awareness of the present moment without judgment. Okay. Now, how do you do that? Well, what you'll find is the degree to which you are conscious of the present moment will be to the degree to which judgment falls away. Okay. You cannot be 100% present and judging at the same time. They do not exist in the same space. <laughs> when you 
leave the mind behind to fully engage the present moment, you leave all the antics of the mind behind too, which are the, the main multi multiple causes of discontentment, judgment, resistance, attachment, time, control, all these sorts of uh, habits. So I'm going to talk about more about ju judgment in a bit, in a bit, but we're looking to fill our attention up with here, make here more important than getting there. So just take a moment to explore, you know, have I been doing that? Have I been waiting until later? Have I been waiting until the world affairs are different so that I can experience contentment? What have I been waiting for that's in this metaphorical place called there? And we've got to get back to here. The third key is to clear comparison by knowing that you are here to live your life and nobody else's. I'd say this is a pretty big one if you're if you're willing to take it on board. It can be subtle and not so subtle, but we want a clear comparison by knowing that you're here to live your life and no one else's. I was shocked when I started exploring comparison in my own life and how much I was comparing. I was shocked by how much of my day I was looking left and right. I was looking left and right all day. What are they up to? What have they achieved? It can be kind of obvious when you're in an industry like mine where other people have a bigger social media following. They've sold more books. They got bigger events or whatever. And there's this comparison thing. It's so corroding. It can even stop us getting started or going for what we want because we go, well, what's the point of running a workshop if I'm only going to get five people? Well, to be honest, some of my favorite workshops had five people in them. They're amazing. <laughs> I started having two people and it was an amazing six week course. <laughs> I learned so much from it, I gained so much from it. And so did they. I'm still, I still know the people that came. So that's maybe, a, I don't know why that example came through. Maybe it's one of the chemologists out there or the mind cam coaches or whatever. But, you know, Check in where comparison is showing up in your life because comparison corrodes uh, contentment massively. Okay. And I actually talked about it uh, in, in body cam again. So I'm just going to continue with that a little bit uh, now. Another fast track to frustration is comparing yourself and your particular set of life circumstances with others. Comparison corrodes contentment and leads to a sense of lack opening you up to inner conflict and disharmony with your current lot. The reality is we live in a world of class systems, ever-widening wage brackets, and unequal access to material wealth and resources. I'm not saying that's good or bad, I'm just saying that seems to be what the reality is for many right now. As a result, there's an extremely high chance that some other person on the planet is going to be able to have a bigger and better things than you. During your lifetime, this may always be the case. <laughs> it may always be the case. Irrespective of how much personal wealth you manage to accumulate or how strong your personal buying power becomes. Keeping up with the Joneses is therefore a mind trap that you need to no longer get caught up in. At the root of comparison is the mind-based habit of judgment. It is, it, in its desire to find your position in society, your mind may always default to judging whether who you are or what you have is better or worse than others. If based on your beliefs and conditioning, your mind decides that what you have is worse, then you can quickly become discontented, not because you have less than some, someone else, but because your mind has deemed what you have 
is not good enough. The natural knock-on effect of the subsequent resistance and attachment to needing something different is the absence, um, the abundance of negative emotions like sadness, jealousy, frustration. Uh, you may even feel apathetic. And it also lowers our vital healing energy, by the way. If anyone has got a health issue out there and they want to increase their ability to heal, contentment is a really important master skill uh, to be focusing on. So we want to see where in our life we are comparing. And we need to see these comparison thoughts and surrender them. You need to be willing to let them go. I love the statement that what if you're not meant to be living anybody else's life? What if <laughs> the exact life that is showing up for you is the only one you were ever meant to be living? Now, you could be, uh, you know I, know, I know lots of people have are in situations where they have to look after family members, for example, and they can feel like they're missing out on, on their life. I would say, that can be a trap. And for the, the most contentment in your life is to recognize that this is the life you're meant to be living right now. It, it is, it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, so I'm not gonna labor that fact, but just, just check out and notice this week, uh, how much you might be looking left or right. If you're comparing your, yourself to others, um, it's a, a major corro a, a corrosion of your contentment um it can talk it can make you not even want to meditate you know that person seems more still than me what's the point of me doing it all that kind of stuff and i'm also talking about comparing yourself to a previous self um maybe when your body was different or a different time in your life a different phase in your life you know um comparison can show up in many different ways so make sure that you're conscious of it and and you're willing to let it go Fourth one, fourth key to contentment. Contentment comes when our intentions are congruent. Contentment comes when our intentions are congruent. So we look up the dictionary, we find what the word congruent means, and it's to be in agreement or harmony. So what would we want our intentions to be in agreement and harmony with? I would recommend your heart's highest hope. Contentment comes when our intentions are congruent with our heart's highest hope. When we remember that there's many things you might want, but the reason why you want it always boils down to an inner experience. I need more money. Why? Why really? Why do you really want it? So I can be more secure and stop worrying. Okay, and if you were secure and stop worrying, what would that give you? Peace. Ah, oh, inner experience. Damn it. It's not really money I want. It's peace. Now, you might need some more money, and you can do stuff to make that happen, but you don't need to be tight, tense, frustrated, annoyed, jealous, uh, or discontented in your process and your journey towards experiencing uh, more money, for example. That's the postponement of contentment until something happens later. But if you remember, what is my intention really? 
what do I want, but why do I want it? So you always want to explore when setting goals or deciding something that you want that isn't here right now, apparently, or appears not to be, always ask the second question, not just what do I want, why do I want it, really? <laughs> why do I want it, really? Okay. Recognize the why is an inner experience and is possible now. The final one that I want to share with you today before getting into some uh, exercises and stuff is um, access appreciation for what is to appease attachment for what should be. Access appreciation for what is to appease attachment for what should be. Uh, at the root of discontentment is often a lot of shoulds and coulds. Um, people um, really are shooting all over their life and uh, they want to stop doing that. Um, discontentment essentially happens when you believe you need something different to what the present moment is presenting. Okay. And contentment comes from letting whatever the present moment is presenting be enough. Now you can try to do that mentally by tr mentally trying to convince yourself that I've got to let this moment be enough. Or, like I said with the first one, if you can bring all your attention 100% back to here, the natural byproduct of that is appreciation. Is appreciation. Appreciation is not the thing you do to get to the state. Appreciation is what happens when you're fully here because you realize all that you already have. This is a, a major kind of, could be a penny drop or a pound even. Um, people, you know, I, I love appreciation. I love gratitude. It's, I use it in, in my daily work uh, with clients and things like that. So it's really useful. But again, often people have appreciation back to front. They think if I can be more, get my hundred list of gratitude things, then I'll experience appreciation. I'll tell you, if you get fully back to here, the natural byproduct of that is appreciation because you actually are able to see all that already is. And we're no longer being clouded by our perceptions of limitation. The true wealth, the true abundance comes from being fully here paying 100% attention. I've said it before and I'll say it a million times and so I'm not going to apologize for it because you'll know yourself if you do it and when you do it, when you come fully here, there's a natural gratitude that comes from being here. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Don't get it back to front. Don't try to appreciate yourself back to here. Get back to here and appreciation naturally follows. And the contentment is through the roof. So let's explore our areas of attachment. In body calm, I explore the realms of resistance as well and stuff. But today, I really wanted us to have one primary thing to focus on uh, this month uh, in, in the context of contentment. And what I'd love for us all to be playing with is noticing our attachments. I want, I want you to find your attachments. Some that you may have never even noticed before were attachments, okay? So that what I want us to do this month really is to be appeasing our attachments and letting what is be enough. 
so that we're going to work towards um, uh, an exercise that you can do this for. But just briefly, I'm going to use the exercise from Body Calm uh, for appeasing attachment. So I'm going to ask you some questions here in the different contexts of your life so you can see if everything jumps out for you. All right. So in relation to your current life circumstances, what are you attached to? Okay. What do you believe you need that you don't currently have? What are you trying to pull towards yourself? What do you want to keep? What do you want to have in your life forever? What are you afraid of losing? In other words, the most important thing is not to, once you've recognized these things, is that it's not these things that you don't have yet that are the cause of your discontentment but it's the unseen attachments to these things that's the cause of the unseen attachment. So if you find something in your life that you're like, I, I need that, it's moved from want to need. You've gone into the realms of attachment. So let's look at health. Are you attached to making your body be a certain shape or weight? Uh, look a certain way. Do you wish you had a slimmer body, smoother skin, less cellulite? No pimples or scars. <laughs> Do you wish you were taller, shorter, prettier, more handsome? Will you not be happy or feel contented until you have changed something about your body? Or even feel confident until you've changed something about your body? Same thing, will there be an attachment uh, the root of a lack of confidence in relationship to your body? Are you attached to a physical condition getting better or even to living longer? Well, I think we've discovered millions of people in the world are attached to living longer. <laughs> we discovered that in the last couple of years. Otherwise, we wouldn't be so scared of being able to be controlled through fear. Uh, so health, there's a few questions for you. How about relationships? Are you attached to a particular person in your life? <gasps> no, I don't want to lose them. You don't have to lose them to lose the attachment to them. Okay. But you don't want to be scared of, of losing them to the point whereby the, the relationship's rooted in fear rather than love. Do you need your partner to uh, speak to you, look at you, or touch you in a specific way? I know there's the love language stuff out there, but again, you still want to be free from needing that if you want your contentment to, to uh, flourish. Are you attached to meeting someone new or being in a relationship? I can't be happy until I met someone and until I met my other half. I can't be happy until I've left this person, <laughs> wherever you happen to be. Notice at any point if you are putting your contentment in the future once something in your relationship has changed. It can be very subtle, but we can live for years with that corroding our contentment. Are you attached to people thinking about you in a positive way? or being liked. Dum, dum, it's very stressful. Corrodes your contentment. Those of you that are interested in career stuff, are you attached to your career? Will you not be happy until your career changes? Do you need your job security or wish you had made or <laughs> wish you were made redundant sooner? <laughs> Are you attached to getting the promotion or being recognized for the work that you do? Are you waiting to be happy when you retire? 
These are all questions that can help to highlight any attachments, unseen attachments. It was such a relief when I let go of the labels surrounding my career, what I thought I was. Best-selling author, for example. It was such a pressure when writing the next book. <laughs> money. Are you attached to money? Do you need a certain amount in your bank account to feel confident and secure? This is one that's got a lot of conditioning wrapped around it, so you might feel justified to have this attachment, but be aware of that. You don't need that attachment to have money. <laughs> or do you see the difference? This is about the inner relationship with. It's not saying you have to lose it or not have it. It's about the inner relationship with it. Are you attached to your investments doing well? Will you not be happy until you've paid off uh, your credit cards or mortgage? Are you attached to your possessions to the point that you worry about losing them? Or you're not having fun at your party because you're worried someone might knock something over or stain the carpet or whatever, <laughs> you know? You're so tense, you know, actually having fun at the party. An environment. Are you attached to living or working in a specific environment? Will you not be happy until you've moved, emigrated, left home or moved back home? Are you attached to working from home or do you need something to improve your office or workplace before you can be happy there? Will you only be happy when you've done some DIY, got a new kitchen or carpet, or made some other home improvements. I have goals. I, I have, I have, I went, I found my perfect house when I was in France. Um, so easy to suddenly go into the, oh, I'll be happy once I've got that. It's exciting. Surrender it. Move towards it, but to move towards whatever you want, but be surrendering everything along the way. Because maybe a different life might present itself, or at least you don't have to be frustrated or tense as you go about creating what it is you want. Because for me, I used to live in a state of fear or frustration. I was frustrated because I hadn't got what I wanted yet. And when I got it, I moved into fear for losing what it's worked so hard to get. And this is what we're healing with contentment. It's a courageous act, okay? Talking of which, I'd love to share with you the Courageous Contentment tool, which I'd like you to play with for the next, I don't know, lifetime, but especially the next week or so, okay? Um, I put, I've kind of tweaked it slightly uh, for uh, this, uh, this season. Uh, and we're just going to be focusing on attachment this month. Like I said, I want you to be really clear on the attachments. So be aware of the thing that you're attached to. Acknowledge that it's not the cause of any discontentment or any other insert negative emotion right now. Um, be aware. So the first step is to at least acknowledge what, whoa, I realized I was attached to getting that house or to um, the government saying, we're free again and everything's okay or whatever it might be. Just, you know, I know I realized I was attached. Then once you realize what you're attached to, think silently or say out loud, I can want this without needing it. These are like some of my how many words are these? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Some of my seven favorite words it, together in a sentence. So powerful. I can want this without needing it. And I love how it acknowledges. The, the desire is okay. 
It's when the desire moves to desperation, when one turns to need, when love turns to fear, that's when we get into the realms of attachment. So I can want this without needing it. And I'd really urge you to do your best to mean it as you set that intention or say that statement. I can want this without needing it. You can, I'm saying it a few times because I want you to remember this. I, repeat after me. I can want this without needing it. Fantastic. So for example, we're running over time. I can want this to finish earlier without needing it to finish earlier. And suddenly the, the tension inside can fall away. And once you've said that statement, uh, engage Gawo, fill your attention up with all that is now. And notice what your inner experience is like when you let this moment be enough as it is. Okay. Now, if you're doing Gawo fully, that'll be the natural byproduct. You will be, you'll be filled up with now and you'll recognize, oh, there's no lack here. There's beauty here. There's fullness here. There's abundance here. There's always something being given here. We've always been given to. Attachment requires us to buy into the illusion that I have to take it. But life has actually always been given from the get-go. You were given life, and life was everything in life has been given since then. Even if it appears that you've had to do a lot to take what you want, when you let go of that idea, when you get fully present, you recognize that life was always giving. Wow. Do you like that little exercise, guys? I can want this without needing it. Will you play with that this month? Even if you played with it before, even if you've already had the body cam book and you played with this, even an advanced level, maybe you've done uh, an academy training, play with it like it's the first time. Explore where in your life you have accidentally picked up some attachments and, and um, be willing to play with the courageous contentment tool. And I call it courageous contentment because, like I said at the beginning, it's a courageous act to allow yourself to be contented, to experience contentment. So, in summary, content, contentment comes from letting this moment be enough. It comes from not resisting reality and from appeasing our attachments. Now, I want to remind you that if you do catch yourself discontented, it's not your fault. Nobody's fault, really. It's just a result of a conditioning process that's, that's gone on, that's convinced us at some level that we need things to be different, fixed, changed, improved, our idea of how it should be for us to be contented. But we don't have to wait until later. In fact, there is no other, there is no place called there. It's always been here. And the ultimate, the holy grail is, is the present moment. So discontentment happens when we resist what is, and we believe we need more than what the present moment has to offer. I love that phrase. I mean, resist what is, I mean, believe we need more than what the present moment has to offer. The present moment is always offering so much. Goals become unhealthy when our intentions move from love to fear, desire to desperation, and from want to need. There's nothing wrong with wanting stuff. Just be careful when it becomes a need. And the mind can be very convincing when it says, no, it's a need. 
So be aware of that convincing mind. Growing up, our materialistic indoctrination has conditioned us to think we all need more. I think a lot of people have discovered how much peace and contentment they actually can have with less in the last uh, year and a half or so. Less entertainment, less stuff, less busyness. We also need to be aware of comparison. Check in on when you're comparing yourself to yourself previously or yourself to your ideal idea of self or yourself to others. Remember that comparison is rooted in judgment. So when you, when you surrender judgment, the comparison can fall away. Better or worse. And anytime we're feeling discontentment, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a sign that we've fallen asleep. That we are not giving ourselves 100% to the gift of the present moment. Um, and I'd love for you to be more and more playing with the eternal homework of how much more can I give myself to the present moment? Can, how much more present can I be? Um, what is 100% really? Notice if you're holding any of yourself back. It's a really subtle one, but I've noticed times when I've been holding a bit of myself back. Just, the, you know, holding a, just a finger on the side of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not so cling on, but just get, I'll just give a finger on the side of the pool. But to be honest, there is no 99% present. There is no 99% present. And there is no kind of 1% contented or 20% contented. There's contentment and it's your birthright and it can be close to your next breath. Stop postponing it. Okay?